For weeks, she remained on that beach, devising new ways to reach the sunken rod. First she swam, but the rod was too deep and too far. When that failed, she built a shelter out of driftwood and a bed of seaweed, and there she toiled for many weeks, making a shoddy raft out of felled trees and rough rope with tools she had acquired in her travels. She ate shellfish caught with her own hands and fished with a crude rod. She fashioned oars for her raft and a metal anchor out of scrap iron she purchased from the smith in the nearest town three days' ride away, and in that time she wearied of travel at last, for it was uncomfortable and tedious, and she learned new respect for toil and hardship, even more than she had known in the encampment of her protectors. But even as she floated over the rod, she discovered that it had fallen too deeply to reach by swimming alone. So she trained and persevered, and each day she swam longer and deeper, but still not deep enough by far to reach the rod. She learned to pace herself against muscle aches and steadied her breathing for the long dives, but still she could not reach it, nor could she give up the rod for lost. She returned to town, asking for advice, but nobody could aid her except the butcher, who showed her how to fill a pig's bladder with air and use it to breathe after she had submerged. So armed, but unwilling to accept his help for fear of endangering the man, she returned to the sea and set out on her raft until she rested directly above the lodestone. Then she set the anchor and tied to her own legs a second heap of scrap metal. At last, she cast herself overboard, and the metal dragged her down endlessly into the deep water. Her head seemed caught in a vise, her mind spun in panic, but she set her gaze firmly toward the sea floor, hoping to catch a glimpse of the rod. When she saw it, she cut herself loose with her knife and swam for it. The wood was rotten through and crumbled in her hand, but she took the lodestone and began her ascent. Up and up she clawed at the water, but the bladder was quickly exhausted and there still seemed so far to go. She fought upward to daylight, fighting the powerful current until she caught her own anchor rope and pulled herself faster and faster through the sea. Her lungs burned, her head ached, and the sunshine began to penetrate through the water above her, but the surface did not come. She gasped out of panic, but took in only water and floundered, reaching up to the air, but her arms failed. She hung, motionless, until she could no longer see anything. And then... She felt an arm clasp her own and drag her up to the surface. Hours later, she woke with her legs swathed in warm bandages. Her mother, alone, was ladling water over her head. But it was not her mother, she realized with horror. It was a different woman she did not recognize, and she coughed, sputtering foul water over the warm sand of the beach. I'm sorry, dear, the woman said. I didn't mean to drown you a second time. The stone the princess gasped. It's here. The dark-haired woman lifted it up for her to see. Her face swam into view and the princess recoiled. It was the witch queen, younger still and more beautiful than when she'd seen her together with the prince in the instant before they'd all fallen victim to her evil enchantment. But the princess was confused. The woman still looked like her mother, but too young, and with dull gray eyes that only retained a hint of lusterless gold. Your she stammered. Yes, the woman replied. I'm surprised you recognize me. Your eyes, the princess said, coughing. Your eyes are the same as they were. So they are. Sorcery can only do so much, it seems. She gazed into the woman's face. It was perfectly smooth as her own had been before she left the castle, but stern, 
even severe, in the lifeless perfection of a statue. All she recognized was desire. Like the princess herself, the old woman was willing to stop at nothing to get what she wanted. There was kinship there, even though the princess did not want it to be so. Why did you save me? the princess asked. Don't sit up, the woman directed. Going down and coming up so fast is hard for the body. She pinned her forcefully to the ground with a strong hand. You were lucky I reached you when I did, or you would have perished for sure. Why did you save me? the princess asked again. There's no need to be suspicious. I haven't done you any wrong, nor do I mean to. Why did you save me? the princess repeated stubbornly. It's to be business, then, is it? the woman replied, and her voice was sharp, but a little sad. Well, then. I appreciate all the trouble you went to getting my rod for me, but I don't accept returns on my contracts. If you want your prince back, you'll need to offer something more valuable. What do you want? Why, your youth, of course, the woman explained. It's really what we all want, isn't it? You don't realize how lucky you were holed up in your castle, immune to the passage of time. Even when we don't know it, it is precious to us. Your prince loved you for your youth, but you rejected him for his age, and even he only desired to give his youth to you, not realizing he had already given it to me. Everywhere you went, you met people wishing for their lost days or new experiences to make them feel young again. We are all trapped in the past, telling stories of better, younger times. This one remembers when he saw a splendid castle in a rich city he has never since found. That one remembers a beautiful girl only ever seen for a moment. A king remembers when his wife still lived. A mother remembers when her daughter was still pure. One regrets a bargain made foolishly. Another regrets a sacrifice made on her behalf. Who among us does not wish for an opportunity to take back the years stolen from us by our foolishness, or happenstance, or wickedness? But it's too late for you, isn't it? You've spent so much of your youth already. Just some few years out of the castle, and you've wasted it worrying and fretting and going about trying to find your way back again, and then again worrying and fretting about your prince, perfectly safe and sound in his long sleep. You've wasted so much of your time first in one thing, then another, while all the while you could have simply stayed put, let things go on as they may, and never known the unhappiness of it all. You're still young for your age, of course. I dare say you're almost as old as I am, but that castle has kept most of it off of you, as long as you would let it. It's a shame, really. All that beauty gone to waste. If we had only landed on the same side of the matter, we might have both been happy together. I could still make you young again, if you wanted. I don't care about my youth, the princess said defiantly. You don't care about your life, the woman replied. There's a difference, and a large one. It's easy to give up one's life, easier by far than living it out day to day and dealing with all the unhappiness and all the mistakes and all the evil one accumulates. Consider your prince. Every night for the past twenty years I've come to him and stolen some small piece of his youth for myself, all in exchange for finding you and marveling at that fine castle of yours and maybe one day taking you for his bride. It didn't come to much, though, did it, because his youth was the only thing he could offer you, wasn't it? And you, let alone losing your castle, you spent ten years coldly rejecting him. In ten years you took from him all he had to give, but gave nothing back to him. And then he gave his very life for you. And you didn't even bother to respect his sacrifice, but charged off with another mad notion of undoing what he had done. He was wrong to sacrifice himself for me. 
You were wrong to drive him to it. And now you come to offer me something else. What, I wonder? How much more will you give me to regain some tiny piece of what you never had to give up in the first place? Will you let me come to you each night as well in exchange for my forgiveness of his debt? No, the princess said firmly. I won't enthrall us to you any longer. I will give you my youth if you want it, but all at once, and you'll have no more from me. I'll give you ten years. Thirty, the woman replied, as if it was the product of some precise yet simple mathematics. Thirty years and no haggling. I'm not some village bumpkin to be charmed or bartered with, young lady. We may be akin in age, but I have the advantage of experience by far. I'll have him awake, said the princess sharply. The woman smiled. Now that would be a pricier matter, I suppose. These are different pacts, of course. I'm not about to spend youth for youth, you know. It isn't good business. But for an additional fifteen years, perhaps. The princess touched the golden key in her pocket, the last of her unsold treasures. How about a different bargain, she asked. I'll give you only twenty years of my youth for his debt, but I will also give you this. She held out the key. You would give up your castle, princess? The woman smiled hungrily. But what would I do with that? I think you know exactly what you would do. I might even say you had been hoping for this outcome all along. Perhaps you even planned for it. If you knew where I was, after all, you could have come to me at any time. Why else would you save me as you did? You do not know all my reasons. If all you want is your youth, the princess argued, then what better way to have it than to preserve it forever in an enchanted castle? Preserve, not regain, the woman pointed out. You're asking me to exile myself. I am. I would consider the whole kingdom well served to be rid of you. I suppose that is true, the woman murmured. But do not be so quick to judge me. You do not understand my sacrifices. You do not know my story. That does not matter now. What matters is what you are and what you have done. Maybe once you were kind, even loving. But now this is what you are. You are selfish and cruel. You haggle and deceive and manipulate for the sake of your own youth so that you might escape your own guilt. Thirty years, the woman barked, and the key. And I will release the prince from all his debts to me and restore him to his waking life. And you will go to the walking castle, and we are never to hear from you again. Agreed. Agreed. And so the pact was struck. <laughs>